In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Beautiful sunshine outside our window this morning. Sunny indeed. 70 degrees presently. And um, I guess they say it's going to climb up to 86. That's kind of toasty. 86 tomorrow as well, but with a few clouds. In fact, as we look ahead, there's no mention of rain until a week from now. Of course, that can change, but mercy. What a beautiful week in Southeast Ohio. Well, good morning, folks. Um, I'm Dave Palmer. Scott's here. Good morning. Good morning. And he's been here all morning and uh, does a great job. Thank you. Um, today is July 11th. Um, I won't be here tomorrow. I will be working with uh, my family in preparing for the memorial service for my wife, Patricia, which is a midday event tomorrow at First Presbyterian Church. Um... Family has come in. They have, uh, we've got them from several places in Florida, California. Um, uh, I'm sure I'm missing places, but the point is um, it's, it's a special time. It's a sad time. It's also a happy time. You don't get to see all the family like like this very often. And um, like tonight, we have a special Thai food uh, family dinner that uh, Kanye V is going to be doing. Um, and... Each night we've had sort of a special dinner, either at a har, uh, my house or at uh, Jackie's or, you know, that sort of thing. Nick's back from Vir- Virginia. Um, anyway, it's very difficult. It's also very special. Today is July 11th. It's All-American Pet Photo Day. Don't we that have pets have lots of photos? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we love to share them and that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's National 7-Eleven Day. Now, Since it's July 11th. Get it? Seventh oh. month? Why did that not occur to me before The 11th day this? of the month? Wasn't 7-Eleven um, like a convenience store? Yeah. National chain. 
Okay. I think, well, I, they're still yeah, in sure. business. We used to have one in Athens, right across from the uh, post office on Stimson Avenue. Right. Well, anyway, today's National 7-Eleven Day. And they chose to make that a special day because of the chain of restaurants or what? The, the date. Well, I know, but why isn't tomorrow 7-12 day? Well, it could be. We can certainly do that here if we want to. It's live radio. We can make it any day we want to, right? I just was wondering why. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with the uh, chains here. So, really? Um, okay. They, now, they do. 7-Eleven does a uh, promotional type thing on National 7-Eleven Day. They typically will feature giving away a free Slurpee, okay. a small Slurpee. Remember those? Yes. It. Uh, I, I'm looking at something here. It says the Slurpee debuted in 1966. The machine already existed, but 7-Eleven modified the machine, which was used to make the Icy. And then they branded and licensed the Slurpee drink, obviously under the name Slurpee. No, Slushy. Okay. Um that's the same sort of thing. Right? Pretty much, yeah. You get those at Larry's Doghouse. And even a couple of our wineries around. A couple other places around town have them too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Anyways, National 7-Eleven Day. National Cheer Up the Lonely Day. That should be every day. Yes, and uh, we certainly try to have fun out here and brighten your day. Yeah, I think about that when I'm doing shows that maybe somebody's listening in that lives by themselves, elderly person, mm-hmm. maybe no family locally or something like that. Maybe maybe we are the only voices that they hear all day or someone in a long-term health care facility that may have a radio with them. I, just, I think about things like that every now and then. So just try to be a part of their morning. And I think that's um, not an uncommon thought amongst morning radio show hosts. Yeah. Okay, it's National Blueberry Muffin Day. Mm-mm. <laughs> That's one of the standards, isn't it? Yes. National Mojito Day. Mojito. Isn't that uh, Cuban? It is. Yeah. Yes, it is a cocktail, actually. And National Rainier Cherry Day. Day. Okay, Cherry Day versus Rainier Cherry. Uh, yes, apparently there are two cherries that have been cross-bred. They were obviously breeding is the term that was used of a Van Cherry and a Bing Cherry. Cross-breeding, both of those. It was developed in 1952 by the one Harry Fogel of Washington State University. It was named after Mount Rainier. Well, Bing cherries, wow. Yeah. They're favorites. Yes. Tasty, tasty. Okay, let's see here. On this day in history, let's, let's do some of that. In the year 1405, Chinese fleet 
commander, Zheng Yi, sets sail on his first major expedition to the Spice Islands, leading 208 vessels, including 62 treasure ships, with a total of 27,800 sailors involved. That'd be a whale of an operation. Yes, it would. <clears throat> I don't know exactly why or what the impetus was for doing this, but it happened. Uh, let's move to the year 1533 when Pope Clement VII excommunicates England's King Henry VIII. Henry the Eighth, uh, the Eighth I am, right? Yes, you got it. Some song like that. <laughs> In eighteen eighteen, English poet John Keats writes, "In the cottage where Burns the born, where Burns is born." He also wrote lines written in the Highlands. And then another publication called Gadfly. John Keats. 1877, Kate Edger becomes New Zealand's first woman graduate and first woman in the British Empire to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. 1877. Hmm. I'm just curious. Are you? Can we find a similar statistic for America? Which statistic is? The first Amer- first woman to graduate and earn a, a Bachelor of Arts degree. Or, yeah. I, 1877 strikes me very late. I'm just wondering if it's possible. That In 1840. 1840. Catherine Elizabeth Brewer Benson became the first woman to receive her degree from the first college in the world chartered to grant degrees to women. And that was? And she was in the 1839 Georgia Female College Catalog. So there you go, 1840. But we're talking about what nation? Uh, Georgia. The state of? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we beat New Zealand. (laughs) Let me... It just struck me that 1877 was very late for a first women's degree. Yes. So that's why it came to mind. I'm just sort of curious if, um, what was the earliest year Great Britain or England had such a thing? But uh, anyway, we'll go on. 1944, Franklin Roosevelt announces that he will run for a fourth term as President of the United States. Now, let's, let's just take a moment on that. 
That's right. He was elected three times and was running for a fourth. Nowadays, that's not permissible, right? That is correct. And why was that? Why did they say two is enough? Um, I, obviously, it was a congressional law that was put in. Um, the reason being, uh, I'm not sure, so I'm going to look that up, too. Okay. Um, well, while you're doing he, so. He actually was elected to four terms. And he died in office during his fourth term. And who rose to the, was it the vice president yes, at the time? Yes, Harry Truman. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look and see. Why are presidents limited to two terms? Uh, let's see, the suggesting... Uh, the nation's first president, George Washington, chose not to try to be elected for a third term. This suggested that two terms were enough for any president. Washington's two-term limit became the unwritten rule for all presidents until 1940. Okay, a term limit is the legal restriction. Uh, when term limits are found in presidential and semi-presidential systems, they, are, they act as a method of curbing the potential for a monopoly where a leader becomes president for life, which that happens in a lot of third world countries. Well, let's see here. The, uh, the it is the uh, 22nd Amendment, actually, to the U.S. Constitution. Last item we have in terms of, in terms of historical events today occurred in 1995 when 7,000 Bosnian Muslim men are massacred when Bosnian Serbs overrun the UN safe haven in Srebrenica. Srebrenica, I think I'm saying that right. 7,000 massacred. All right. Famous birthdays. Okay, what's going on here? Before I get to that, I see a little teaser here. What's going on with Dr. Phil? Oh, we we talked about that. Uh, I've, I've forgotten. Friday. Yeah, about the shady side. Well, this says thoughts and prayers go out to Dr. Phil. Oh, those that's that clickbait that you're probably seeing again. There's a little box no. that that came popped up on it's right here. Yeah, I think that's clickbait. Let me let me check out Dr. Phil here, but I have not heard anything about him as far as needing thoughts and prayers. Okay. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything either. Okay, well, we'll, we'll just pass. Okay. Famous birthdays. E.B. White. E.B. White lived from 1899 to 1985. E.B. White. Elwin Brooks White. 
was an American writer. He was the author of several highly popular books for children, including Stuart Little, Charlotte's Web, and The Trumpet of the Swan. In a 2012 survey of School Library Journal readers, Charlotte's Web came in first in their poll of the top 100 children's novels. Well, I tell you, his picture, he just looks like somebody you'd like to get to know. He, he kind of resembles Walt Disney. For me, anyway. Not in my picture, but you could have an uh, older picture for him. Yeah, it's, they're black and white ones. Okay, Robert the Bruce, born in 1274, died in 1329. Looks like a combat sort of guy. Robert the Bruce. The Bruce? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, here he is. Robert the Bruce with two first names. He was also Robert the First, was the King of Scots from 1306 until his death in 1329. One of the most renowned warriors of his generation. Tough guys. Yeah. Robert eventually led Scotland during the First War of Scottish Independence against England. Okay, John Quincy Adams. His birth year, 1767. He passed in 1848. And we, most folks, will remember him as the sixth president of the United States. He was an American statesman, diplomat, lawyer, and diarist who served as the sixth president of the U.S. from 1825 to 1829. He previously served as the 8th United States Secretary of State from 1817 to 1825 when he became president. Now, this first group uh, consists, and we have one more to do. (coughs) These are people who died on this date. And the last one is Yul Brynner. Born in 1920, died on this date in 1985. I had one occasion to work with him a little bit and uh, show up in Columbus. And you know how he looks kind of tough? Yeah. He was. (laughs) 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 He was. He's got that unibrow <laughs> going on in a lot of his pictures. Yeah. Or just like one continuous eyebrow. Yul, Yul Brenner. <laughs> Yuli, you, Y-U-L-I-Y. Oh, I didn't know that. Yuli Borisovich Brenner, or <laughs> Briner, known professionally as Yul Brenner, was a Russian, French, Swiss, and American actor. Singer, director, producer, model, photographer, and writer. Best known for his portrayal in The King and I, yes. The Ten Commandments, The Magnificent Seven from 1960. All of those are super well known. Okay, two famous deaths to bring up. One is Aga Khan Third. Now, spelling? Um, A-G-A is the first name, K-H-A-N the second, and then, of course, the Roman numeral three. 
Now, he was uh, born in 1877, but died on this date in 1957. It reminded me of a song, Chaka Khan. Yeah. Chaka Khan. <laughs> well, how about Aga Sir Khan? Sultan Muhammad Shah Aga Khan III <laughs> was the 48th imam of the Nazari Ismaili sect of Islam. He played a very important role in giving the Muslims a political stance to express their opinions to the British. Aga Khan. Aga Khan. Aga Khan. Shaka Khan. Florence Olivier. 1907 to 1989, this date. Lawrence Olivier. Lawrence Kerr Olivier. Baron Olivier was an English actor and director who, along with his contemporaries Ralph Richardson and John Gilgood, was one of a trio of male actors who dominated the British stage of the mid-20th century. He also worked in films throughout his career, playing more than 50 cinema roles. And some of his famous works include Hamlet, the Prince and the Showgirl, Marathon Man, and Wuthering Heights from 1939. I, I, I saw, a, I'm skipping around now a little bit. I saw some blurb saying Biden, meaning our president, retiring the U.S. dollar? <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, I know. I, I, I'm guessing that's another clickbait. Well, okay. Well, let's move on then. But Scott, it wouldn't surprise me. Scott, uh, Scott thinks we shouldn't dig into that one, so we won't. Um, let's turn our attention to... Um, well, let's do the coronavirus. It's been a long time since we've spoken about it. We used to give you daily updates. But as things have settled down... Anyway, we now have a new inhalable vaccine. Uh, not a shot, not a swab, but an inhalable vaccine that shows promise in protecting lungs from infection. This inhalable vaccine um, will confer both mucosal and system, systemic immunity. Sounds like a good thing. Um, I think it's called Jeng. J-E-E-N-G. But I'm not sure. This, this particular article is not uh, set up as easy as I had hoped to read. J-E-E-N-G? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not finding anything. Okay. 
Anyway, the, the going on with this, COVID-19 subvariants spread more quickly, not as deadly, health experts say. Health experts are warning of the Omicron subvariants BA4 and BA5 after research shows um, their effects. Anyway, I get this report now daily, and I swear it's not very helpful. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Well, what do we need to know? There's a title here. It says 20% enrichment. Let's see what they're talking about. Iran has begun enriching uranium at levels up to 20% at its underground Fordo facility using the country's most advanced reactor setup. This was revealed yesterday. Analysts said the sophisticated reactors allow the country to swiftly change between enrichment levels. Most commercial nuclear power reactors rely on natural uranium in which which is enriched with 3 to 5% of the Faisal uranium-235 isotope. Now, reactors with 20% enrichment are typically used for research, while weapons-grade material requires 90% enrichment. However, experts say the move from low to weapons-grade material can be made fairly quickly. Um, going on, the country has gradually resumed enrichment activities following the U.S. withdrawal from the 2015 nuclear deal. And the announcement appears timed with President Joe Biden's upcoming trip to the Middle East, which begins this coming Wednesday. Recent reports suggest Iran has also stockpiled around 95 pounds of 60% enriched uranium, enough to convert a single nuclear weapon should the country choose to pursue it. Well, that's exciting. You know, technology is one thing, but technology with responsibility is another. Did that make any sense? Yes. Okay. Anything with responsibility is a different thing to do. Crisis in Sri Lanka. <clears throat> Sri Lanka's top two leaders pledged to resign over the weekend amid mass protests, which saw demonstrators storm the presidential residence. 
lawmakers met Sunday to form a new government as both President Gotabaya Rajapaska and Prime Minister Ranil Boy, I can't even do this one. Remained out of the public view with protesters occupying their homes. The country has been gripped by a months-long economic crisis spurred by the combination of tax cuts, significant public spending, and a pandemic-induced drop in tourism revenue. In May, Sri Lanka defaulted on a 500, no, no, a 50 billion in foreign debt and now seeks an aid deal with the International Monetary Fund, an agreement that would come with significant curbs to public programs. Its default may signal a broader trend of non payment. uh, among developing countries. As experts warn, Paywall, Bloomberg, the the number of at-risk nations has doubled in six months. Final sentence on the story says that Sri Lankans have faced severe shortages of food and fuel among other necessities. So, tough times. What about Japan? They're having some elections. In Japan's liberal Democratic Party-led ruling coalition secured a a supermajority in the upper chamber of the country's parliament yesterday. That, in elections, held just two days after the assassination of the former Prime Minister, Shinzo Abe. Abe, who left office two years ago, was shot to death Friday by an attacker while publicly campaigning for a fellow LDP candidate. LDP standing for Liberal Democratic Party. Now, gun ownership and firearm-related deaths are both exceptionally rare in Japan, which averages fewer than one gun death per million people each year. Okay, would you look up the population of Japan? Yes. Because I had heard another statistic over the weekend saying that in Japan there had only been 16 gun deaths last year. Now this one is saying one per million population. Population in Japan is expected to reach nearly 125 million by the end of 2022, according to the Trading Economics Global Macro Models and analysts' expectations. Okay, so... We're 125 million. Yeah, so chances are there were 125 deaths as a result of gunfire last, mu- 
last year mm-hmm. rather than the 16 I had heard of. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I don't know if you heard about the confession of the alleged shooter said he had planned to use explosives. Well, he used a homemade instead of instead of the shotgun. Yes, and it was homemade. Yeah, Um, he's a former military. As I understand it, is it's very difficult to buy a gun in Japan. Yes. Well, anyway. Um, so one gun death per million people and they have 125 million that's what they're at these days the story goes on reports suggest the gunman used a homemade gun and we just mentioned that and held a grudge against Abi for purported links to religious organizations. The results may allow lawmakers to achieve one of Abi's longtime goals, that of revising the country's constitution to allow for a traditional military force. The document currently disallows parliament, I'm sorry, disallows permanent war capable forces hmm. you know after world war 2 and all of that think of what a major change had to occur there oh yes because they were well armed yes Um, let's see here. Did I lose a sentence? Something's, something's out of order here. Oh, here we go. Now I'm back on track. Um, this is this is just a general story, and and we can make of it what we want. <clears throat> but the lead headline is: Why is blood testing important for athletes? Inside Tracker's research has identified five main blood biomakers. I'm sorry, biomarkers that relate to performance and recovery. By tracking these five biomarkers throughout your training cycle, you can transform your overall health, performance, and recovery. I don't know. This sounds more like a commercial. (laughs) For some kind of... Supplement 
energy supplement. I suppose. Let's just go on a little bit All and right. see if we can sort it out. But let's back up. What's inside Tracker? What is inside? What's in? What's inside Tracker? There we go. It's one word. Yep, I think we're our guess is correct. It's an ultra personalized nutrition and performance system. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> okay. There you got it to the the giveaway. Here I thought it was. Maybe uh, something new and different that we really needed to know, but it sounds like. Uh, well, you know that happens in sports sometimes, and athletes get caught for what's called doping when uh, athletes have had their blood uh, drained out, so to speak, mm. and it's energized, so to speak, with uh, nutrients, supplements, performance-enhancing drugs, as they're called, PEDs. And that's why they have so many random blood tests uh, after events to see if something is, is not playing by the rules, so to speak. And now they actually do it with horses, too, with the the big races, the Belmont Stakes, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, all of them, they, they test horses for uh, doping. I have been so tied up with my family items recently. Oh, I'm sure. That I have lost all track as to what the standings are for the Copperheads. Could you dig into that while sure. I work on another item? I came across a report, and we'll go into it in more detail sometime when we have more time. But this is entitled America's Most and Least Stressed Cities. Stressed Cities. And let's see here. What can I add to that? Stress is inevitable. Everyone experiences some type and level of it normally. But the COVID-19 pandemic has made the past few years much more stressful than usual. Duh. Now that most people are vaccinated and cases are on the decline, though, plenty of new stressors have taken the place of the pandemic. Around 87% of, of Americans currently feel stressed about inflation. Yep. And 80% feel stressed about Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Yep. These, according to a recent survey from the American Psychological Association. Stress is not always a bad thing, though. Certain kinds of stress can have positive effect on a person's well-being, at least in the right doses. Let's see what they're talking about. According to Psychology Today, a little bit of stress, known as acute stress, can be exciting. It keeps us acting. It keeps us uh, alert. When stress reaches an unmanageable level, however, it turns chronic. 
that's when we become vulnerable to its damaging effects such as health problems and loss of productivity. So, by one estimate, workplace-related stress alone costs society more than $300 billion bucks per year. To determine the cities where Americans cope best, WalletHub compared more than 180 cities across 40 different key metrics. Our data set ranges from average daily work hours to the unemployment rate to divorce and suicide rates. Okay. I've read this report and... Uh, <clears throat> 180 cities I mentioned are uh, showing up here. So, would you care to guess where the number one most stressed city is? New York, New York. It ranks 44th. Wow. Yeah. That's remarkable. Yeah. Detroit. Comes in number two. Cleveland. Number one. It comes in 18th with work stress, number one with financial stress, number two with family stress, and number two with health and safety stress. Cleveland is the most stressed city, according to this report, in the nation. And now they have to deal with the Browns not having a quarterback in Cleveland, adding to that stress. So I guess you better explain to our audience what happened. Oh, well, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback uh, last year. He fell out of favor with the fans and the team, the organization. Uh, didn't get him to where the organization thought they should be. He actually did get them to the playoffs, I think, in his second year there with the Browns, first or second year. But everybody's against him now, right? Well, it seems like. Most people in Cleveland are, yeah. I mean, I still think a guy's got some talent. But he was traded to the Carolina Panthers because in the offseason they signed Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans. They, they traded him to Cleveland. Well, he's got some legal issues. And most likely the NFL is going to suspend him for the entire season, if not longer, for these allegations, these legal okay. issues that he's having. So that leaves them with zero quarterback. Well, that's most unfortunate. Yes. But once again, out of 182 cities in the United States, let's just do Ohio. And as we've already pointed out, the most stressed city of in the nation, they say, is Cleveland. Number two, Toledo. Number three, Akron. Number four, Cincinnati. 
you know, I should probably mention what they are also relative to the rest. So Cincinnati is 21st out of 181, but they're number three, no, four in Ohio. Columbus, 47th overall, and I've sort of lost track. Fifth, I think I said, in the state. Turn the page. I can make my fingers articulate. Come on. While you're doing that, the Southern Ohio Copperheads are in last place. Yeah in the Southern Division, and they actually are in last place in the entire league. Yeah, too bad. Yes. Um, too bad. Yes. All right. Um, <coughs> next comes. You got about 10 seconds. Well, then let's just stop. Folks, we want you to have a wonderful day out there. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez in New York. A French pharmaceutical company wants to make it easier for women to get birth control after the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's asking the FDA for permission to sell its birth control pill over the counter in the U.S. Kelly Blanchard heads a nonprofit that operates the Free the Pill Coalition. Having a doctor, finding a doctor, getting an appointment, the cost of that visit, the cost of the travel, finding childcare, all of those logistics and those barriers fall heavier on people who are working to make ends meet. Birth control pills are already available without a prescription in many other parts of the world. Temperatures in parts of Louisiana and Texas are expected to top 100 today. Forecasters put the high for Houston at 101, but grid operator ERCOT is urging people